James, I have a question for you today, and it's oh kind of serious. Oh my God, another question? Another question. Does that today. mean we're on another question of the day podcast? We are indeed, yep. It happens every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, except when it also happens on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So. Okay, wait, I have a question. I, before you ask your question, can Hit I me. ask a little mini question? A mini question? Yeah. Sure. So we were just told that uh, some of our one-star reviews, we get mostly 90% good reviews, but some of our the 10% that are bad reviews say we asked a question, but we don't give an answer. And so I actually have learned from you that it's not always that critical to have an answer in these podcasts. And I agree with that. What's your well, philosophy on that? I don't that? mean to be too serious about this question. I don't mean to make too much of it, but that actually addresses the philosophy that I've had as a writer for a long time, which is that the reason I love questions is because they're valuable learning tools because um, many people are kind of conditioned out of asking questions. So you remember when, remember like when you were in school and then probably in your first job or two, there'd be some meeting where the boss will say, okay, you know, we're going to do this new thing, da, 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 we're looking for new ideas. Does anybody have a question? There are no stupid questions. Right? So I remember, I literally remember one, one meeting at the New York Times where this happened, and it was a big meeting. It was like an interdepartmental meeting. And I raised my hand. I had this question I wanted to know for a long time, but I was always embarrassed to ask it. And I asked the question, and then the guy in charge literally said, okay, I take it back. There are some stupid questions, and Dubner just asked it. I have no idea. It was so scaldingly embarrassing. I blocked it. But once that happens to you or time or two, you're conditioned, and I would argue most adults are, out of asking the questions that they really want to know because they don't seem sophisticated enough or important enough or large enough, whatever. But I feel that it's really valuable to ask um, questions that may lead to something, even if prima facie, that they aren't an important or sophisticated question. Um, the other thing I would say is that a lot of um, journalism and academia and in the business world especially and also in politics, what everybody's offering is answers. And if you start to pull those answers apart, you see that they're 85% BS. Well, not only that. They're not only BS now. Maybe the, 86 even. The, the other 14 or 15% turn out to be BS later. <laughs> so you look at like much of science and much of, I don't know, whether you call it self-help or or everything. Every every field that people like take everything seriously. everything we've ever said on this show previously is demonstrably false, for instance. <laughs> exactly. Or could be in the future. Like, you look at all of physics, it's all changed, uh, and biology has changed considerably over the past 200 considerably. years. Yeah, so, but, yeah. yeah. You know, maybe chemistry hasn't changed that much because you know... Look, economics is an interesting field. We, economics doesn't. is not even a real discipline, <laughs> in my it opinion. It is a real discipline. It's just, I mean, one could argue whether how scientific it is, but I, I would argue it can be useful, Um as a set of tools primarily, but... Um, I don't know. Almost everything you look at in economics, it, it's the whole, what's that joke on the other hand? Mm -hmm. You know, what's that Reagan said every yeah, economist? Yeah, I need a, a three-handed economist. Yeah, because they always I say think, I think it even predates Reagan, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I agree with you. I think we learn in school, we learn facts, right? And we're tested on facts. So, so the emphasis is on learning answers and not asking questions. And then because of some faulty government policy, there are standardized tests now that every student gets the same questions and they have to answer with the same facts. And that's how schools get funding. So teachers drill facts 
into the kids. And we kind of grow up that way for, you know, a good, healthy 12 years of our life. So we get you know, overly focused on answers. Whenever you say something like that, I I want to say, James, come on. It's not really that blank, right? But when I realize, like, what little I know about the world that I, you know, the things that I feel are worth knowing, I I learned very, very, very few of them actually in school. Now, that said, one thing I really did learn in school was how to put sentences together. The act of writing, I think, was something that at least I got better at in part because, like, I remember, I don't know if you, did you ever diagram sentences? Yes. It's kind of an old-fashioned thing that doesn't get, even when I was learning it, it was old-fashioned. It was mostly done in Catholic schools. But I had a seventh grade English teacher who taught us to diagram sentences. Seventh grade, did you have that orange book of grammar? I had an orange, a thick orange book. What I remember from seventh grade English was, so we had, we were required to make our own uh, protective covers for our textbooks so that they would last longer. Did you not have to do yes, that? Yes, we had to do that. So we had to do that. So we would use brown paper We'd bags. We'd get in trouble if we didn't have we our We would. So I don't remember the cover. But I do remember my seventh grade English uh, textbook because I made the cover out of a brown paper shopping bag. And you learn how to kind of open it up and fold it and, you know, open up the paper, lay it out, kind of like you're wrapping a, a Christmas present or something and make it. And I thought I was being very clever. And on the front of it, instead of writing English 7... I wrote anguish seven, which I thought was not a terrible wordplay. And the teacher, who was an unbelievable teacher, this was this little upstate New York rural high school where he was one of two twins, both of whom had PhDs and were English teachers, and they were phenomenal, but they were tough. And he saw that. And that was a really bad day for me in seventh grade English. Did you feel horrible? Did you feel did you apologize to him? No, I didn't feel horrible. I felt like, what the hell is wrong? You can't take a joke. I'm a seventh grade kid, and I call it anguish. What's it, is he that insecure? That's what I, f- I would, remember feeling. I would be insecure like that. I, I couldn't see where As a teacher from. or the kid? Yeah, as a teacher. Oh, yeah. And I would be insecure as the kid. I would be insecure all the way around <laughs> on that one. Take a moment to listen to this message while we figure out where this answer is headed. Okay, check this out. Fresh Books, in keeping with the theme of our show, has their very own question of the day for you. Are you an entrepreneur or business owner? Then listen up, because this question is specifically for you. What's the first thing that you feel when you hear the terms invoicing, expense reporting, time tracking? Feel stressed, anxious, frustrated? Say goodbye to those negative feelings with FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the amazing, intuitively designed invoicing software that helps small business owners spend way less time on paperwork while keeping them effortlessly organized. You will be creating and sending invoices in minutes, watching expenses practically organize themselves, and probably wondering why you didn't start sooner. Try FreshBooks free for 30 days. Just go to freshbooks.com question and enter our show name, question of the day, in the how did you hear about us section when you sign up. Again, just go to freshbooks.com slash question and enter our show name, question of the day, while signing up to get your free 30-day trial. Have you ever read, uh, have you read Brian Grazer's book, A Curious Mind? He's, he he I produced like I a read, whole bunch um, of movies. I read a chunk of it because I interviewed him for uh, for my radio show. Oh my God, I've been trying to interview him. The, the, Why first... don't I just give you the tape? We only used a little bit of what he said. Well, what did he say? Well, we were interviewing him Because he focuses for... on questions. He does. So I, I love this idea. He has what he calls curiosity conversations, 
where he basically, Brian Grazer, we should say, is a film producer. He's Produced been doing it Apollo for 13. many years. Apollo 13, Arrested Friday Night Lights, Arrested Development. He's done a lot of film, a lot of TV. Empire is on TV now is his. He's done most of it with uh, Ron Howard in Imagine Entertainment. They've been phenomenally, phenomenally successful. So these curiosity conversations that he's held over the years are basically he would call up someone, and he says that he started it before he had the power to really make it happen, but now he does. That he, he describes how he met Ron Howard. Exactly. He just called out. He had a second-floor office on, the, in, on, I think it was the Universal set, and Ron would walk by, and he'd call down from his window, and he was like then a junior, junior, junior guy. Um, but it worked, and they got to be friendly. And so these curiosity conversations that he holds are basically he'll call up someone, whether it's, you know, the Dalai Lama or James Altucher, and say, hey, I'm Brian Grazer, and uh, here's what I do, but I'd really like to know about what you do. Can I buy you lunch? And I think that is a brilliant—I mean, look, that's the way that I and you both try to kind of stumble through sure. life is finding people— who are and it's not just that you can milk it's not about milking people for your own stuff it's about like being interested and having fun and and most people are going to say no if they sense you're trying to milk them like you have That's to a be good point. sincerely interested and and you have to kind of offer a little bit of value too so i don't know if ron howard would have paid that second visit to him if brian grazer didn't also offer some business savvy to combine with ron's Howard's creative savvy. Well, I learn this from you all the time. You are you are all about the the no need to return favor favor. Yeah, no, it's it it works. You love doing it, it anything wo- for anybody with no conti- with no conditional return at all. Because think about when someone approaches you. People say, "Hey, what should I do for my PhD thesis?" or "Will you take a look at this article I wrote?" And you know, most of the time you're busy and they're not respecting that. The key is really offer something of value to 100 people, and some small percentage will respond to that. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. In a moment, you'll hear a sample of our next exciting episode. But first... Hey, stop stressing over invoices, expense reporting, and time tracking. Stay effortlessly organized and spend less time on paperwork. FreshBooks will make creating and sending invoices, organizing your expenses, and tracking your billable hours the easiest part of your workday. Just go to freshbooks.com question for your free 30-day trial. And on the next episode of Question of the Day, same question channel, same question time, here it is. We're not predicting. We're kind of just... It's like saying next year there's going to be, you know, winter, spring, summer, and fall. Like, we, we once a trend starts, like a Moore's Law type of Not trend on technology. Oh, well, you're talking about synthetic biology. I was still talking about autonomous vehicles. Because well, I can see also, autonomous vehicles going the other direction.